This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, along with Archbishop Alexander Sample. And as we find you in this time of the Lenten season, I wanted to reflect upon the beauty of the Sunday Mass and keeping the Lord's Day holy. And this is what we're preparing for. Easter, the resurrection of our Lord. So Archbishop, as we come together and reflect upon why we come together and we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ at the Sunday Mass, um, would you help open us in prayer? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all of your wondrous gifts. We thank you for the gift of life and for each of our vocation. Father, we ask you to help us during this broadcast to stir up in our hearts a greater love and appreciation for this most wondrous gift, the source and summit of our lives. So we place this time in your hands, Father, asking you to touch the hearts and minds of our listeners. All of this we ask through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, in this idea of... The Sunday Mass, keeping the Lord's Day holy. I'm just thinking about this time of the season. We just had the rite of election. And I know throughout the Archdiocese of Portland, I was up in the Archdiocese of Seattle with our group of RCIA catechumen and candidates to be with the bishop. They're they're moving on a process of being received fully into the Catholic Church, Lord willing, yes. during the Easter Vigil. But part of the key is the Sunday Mass that they are coming to receive fully of the gift of Jesus Christ. Uh, your experience this year with the right of election with oh. these catechumens and having the chance to see some of these faces. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I, and Dina Marie, I, I tell, uh, you know, we, we have six different rights of election in this archdiocese just because of the large geographical yeah. area that we, we, we have to cover. And we can't expect people to travel these long distances to come to the cathedral for a right of election from, from all over. So we do six of them. Uh, and I always try as best I can. I think, I think in my ten years here, I think uh, all but one year, I've I've done the the long routes because I like to get out there and I like to get around. You know, we do we do one in Southern Oregon, we do the South Coast, yeah. we usually do one in the Eugene area, and then we have three up at the Cathedral in Portland that draws from the more northern part of the archdiocese. But I, I honestly mean this, uh, and I tell the people this actually at the rites of election. This is one of those moments, those ceremonies throughout the course of the year as a bishop. And I, I know all of my brother bishops feel the same way. This is like one of the highlights of mm -hmm. our year to see these people who uh, coming from such diverse backgrounds and, and religious experiences growing up, some with none growing mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. 
to come into to the, the fullness of the Catholic faith that, that culminates in the celebration of the Eucharist and the reception of Holy Communion, to see the, the, the joy in their faces, to see the yearning and the longing for our Lord, uh, it is so inspirational, so wonderful to see. And it's always so remarkable that in the midst of all the problems in our world, and yes, even in our church, that Christ still calls and people mm-hmm. still respond to his call to come to him. But, you know, the, the whole culmination, as I said a moment ago, of their coming into the church. Now, if they're, if they're, if they're a true catechumen, now they're the elect, so they, they've not yet been baptized. Mm-hmm. So at the Easter Vigil, they will be baptized, and they will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of, of confirmation. But then the, the, the moment, the moment of, of the culmination of all that, the moment when they come into that fullness of life in Christ is when they receive him for the first time mm-hmm. in the most holy sacrament of the altar in the blessed sacrament and holy communion. And for those who are already baptized but who are coming into the Catholic faith from perhaps other ecclesial communities, they are receiving the sacrament of confirmation as well. But then the, the culmination for them, the high point, the, the, the bringing it all together, the full communion is when they receive the Eucharist. And here, here, here's what, what always inspires me. These folks who have never received the Eucharist, as they've been on this faith journey, as they have been learning about the church and as they've been learning about the sacraments of the church and when they become to that full realization of what the Eucharist is and what the Holy Mass is, they literally cannot Mm -hmm. wait to get there. And it's always so inspiring for me, but it also causes me to reflect for many of us who, you know, are cradle Catholics perhaps, have always grown up in the church and, and always had access to the sacraments and celebrated them, you know, for many of us, you know, what, what, what has happened to our fervor, our excitement at coming to the Eucharist? You know, sometimes we don't have as much uh, fervor and love and, and appreciation for the gift of the Eucharist as, as these folks do. So I think it's a good, it's a good time uh, yeah. for all of us to, to re- knew our love uh, for, for our Lord in the, in the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, and I think those who are walking with them, the priests, the religious, the team members, the laity who are walking with them, the sponsors, those that are going to be walking with them, and hopefully not just at Easter Vigil, but following Easter Vigil in those home groups, in those exactly. communities. I mean, we want to continue to build that sense of community. And I think, Archbishop, when we talked about that before, the, the home groups, that's what is developed with RCIA. You meet on a regular basis. There's this bond that develops right. between those who are already in the church, your pastor, uh, some of the different leaders in the in the ministries, and then the new people coming in that this is normal. This is what we do. <laughs> this yeah. is how to build community. Absolutely. And you know, I remember, you know, when I was first ordained a priest almost 33 years ago now, one of my, in my first assignment as the parochial vicar at our cathedral parish back in Marquette, Michigan, one of my responsibilities was to oversee the RCIA program. And so with a wonderful team of, of, of lay uh, leadership there in the parish, uh, we, we, we ran that, that program of, of receiving these people into the church and catechizing them and walking with them and accompanying them on that faith journey. But you're right, a, a, a community forms. There's a closeness that these people have to one another as they have shared faith 
with each other, as they have opened up themselves in sharing their own spiritual journeys with, with others, when they've shared even their struggles, and even sometimes their, their struggles with, with, with coming to the fullness of faith. There's a bond that's created, a, a communion that is created among those people. And, and that's, that's the way it should be. That should be normal. That should be normal for all of us in the church, that our, our, our sacramental life is not just individualistic. It's as part of a community. God has always, and we said this in the, in the program when we talked about home groups, you know, God always intends from the beginning that we be a people, not just individuals, but we be a people, a covenant people, a community of people, the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. And so we need to foster the reality of what we receive. We become, I've often said this, you know, in, in, in the reception of Holy Communion, we are called to become what we receive. So that can mean both individually, that I, mm-hmm. as an individual follower and disciple of Jesus, when I receive him in the most holy sacrament of the altar and the Holy Eucharist, then, then I, as an individual, should be sort of transformed more and more and more into his image and likeness to become more Christ-like, to become holy. But we, the mystical body of Christ, gathered together at the altar, we receive the body and blood of Christ, and we become what we receive. We become more the body of Christ Christ's presence in the world, the mystical body of Christ. We are formed into the mystical body of Christ to be a witness to Christ in the world as as his body, not just as individuals, the church, as the communion of the body of Christ. We become what we receive in the Eucharist. The Eucharist builds up the body of Christ, the communion of, of the believers to be witnesses to the world. Jesus said, this is how uh, you know, they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. And he prayed the night uh, of the Last Supper with his disciples, as recorded in the Gospel of St. John. He prayed for unity. He says, so that the world may believe, may they be one, Father, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Our communion, our unity, our, 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 our community witness, our communal witness is the body of Christ to the world, is how we witness to Christ's presence and his reality, that he is real and that he has come. Yeah. As we reflect on the Sunday Mass, Archbishop, keep the Lord's Day holy, Mm -hmm. the holy day, that Sunday, the Lord's Day. Let's break that open a little bit and how this is such a special day. It can't be like every other day. We have to treat it with that honor and respect. How does that become integrated in our lives? Well, it has to be very intentional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, that's the first thing I would say. Is it isn't going in in our world? Maybe in past ages it was easier because life was was not as distractive and uh, you know simpler in, in many ways and and uh, you know there, we didn't have television to watch and football games to watch or basketball. We didn't have March Madness. You know, <laughs> right. uh, uh, you know, we didn't have all of the things mm-hmm. to distract us. Uh, there was a simpler way of being and being present to one another and families, for example, especially in the home. Uh, so in, in our age, if we are going to keep holy the Sabbath, if we're going to keep holy the Lord's day as we are commanded to do mm-hmm. by our Lord, then we have to be very intentional about it. We have, to, we have to plan it. We have to be strategic about how we are going to keep holy the Lord's day. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, sitting together as a family, watching a good football game on television on Sunday afternoon in, in that closeness and togetherness of family can be a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, so don't 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 get me wrong, but 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 we have to somehow be intentional about 
keeping this day for the Lord. This is his day. He mm-hmm. gives us seven days mm-hmm. of a week, and he, he gives us to do whatever we want in a sense uh, with six of them, and he just asked for the seventh back. And I think that, though, actually I would say that I would you know put this clearly, and this is I think I've shared this before. We have a tendency to look at Sunday I think culturally in our mm-hmm. in our secular culture today, we tend to look at Sunday as sort of the, the last day of our weekend mm-hmm. before we have to go back to work or to school, right? So it's like we, we, we hit Friday after work or Friday after school and we're all excited because now we got Friday night, we got all day Saturday and Sunday, we got the weekend ahead of us, we can relax, we can have fun, we can enjoy life, et cetera, and away from work or school. And so Sunday becomes sort of this dreaded last day of my weekend before I now I have to go back to work uh, or back to school on Monday and so it's sometimes it can be even kind of a a little bit of a, a, a kind of Sunday being a little bit of a downer you know that uh, you know uh, the weekend's coming to an end mm-hmm. no what we should see Sunday brothers and sisters is the first day of the week mm-hmm. Sunday is the first day of the week not the last day of our weekend uh, so Sunday should set the tone for our whole week. And that's the whole idea of the first day of the week being dedicated to the Lord. We come to the celebration of Holy Mass, which, let me remind all of us, is a solemn obligation as the baptized uh, Catholic community. Once we have received our first Holy Communion, we are obliged to attend Sunday Mass, every Sunday Mass and every Holy Day of Obligation. And it's under pain of mortal sin, okay, I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a grave matter. And to deliberately, knowingly, and without a just cause, miss Sunday Mass is, is, is a grave matter because we have not followed the Lord's commandment to honor and keep holy uh, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day. And so, you know, but we begin, so Sunday should be the day that we we come together, we worship the Lord, we receive the Holy Eucharist. I mean, you know, most of the people who are there on Sunday are not able to get to to daily Mass, so they can't be strengthened, if you will, by the Eucharist on a daily basis at daily Mass. So this is is the day to begin the week. Okay, I come together, I, I give my worship to God, and hopefully with my family, if I have a family, to be together, to be in worship. To, to hear the Word of God, to, to hear hopefully a message that is inspiring, we hope, uh, but most importantly to celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, to renew Christ's covenant uh, with us in the Eucharist, and then to be nourished by the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ for the week ahead. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is like, this is my start to the week, uh, and I start it well, and I start it dedicating it to the Lord uh, so that hopefully the grace of that day will carry me through the week right. until I can I can come back to to, to to start the cycle over again. Absolutely. And I think your your word intentional, we have to make that decision. And it has to be a decision that when other things come up, no Sunday, mm-hmm. no, I know what, what our schedule mm-hmm. is for the parish. Maybe I'm volunteering. I have this or that that I'm also doing to serve during that time that that we just know this is a high priority and we do the things. And you've said this so many times, when it's a priority, we're going to arrange our schedules to make sure. And isn't God the most important of all the decisions we should be making? Well, you know, and I, I, I say this often too, and I, I know this, you know, for many people, this is, is probably not the reality. I have to be realistic about this, okay? But what we should be, how we should be experiencing the Lord's Day, how we should be experiencing Sunday Mass and the celebration of the Holy Eucharist in the course of the week, that 
Mass, that Sunday Mass, should be the high point of our week. It should be our greatest experience, our greatest moment of the week. On a, on a you know, on a, on a consistent basis. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, a good example would I give? Well, uh, let's say somebody has a child born on Wednesday, you <laughs> right. know, when it's their first child and their child is born on Wednesday. Well, I think that's going to probably, on a human level, on an emotional level, mm-hmm. take, take uh, as the greatest day of the week. But uh, theoretically, spiritually, mm-hmm. the Sunday celebration of the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Mass, that should be the high point of the week. That should, because that is the most important thing that will happen to us all week, is that we have come and encountered Christ. We have encountered God and worshiped God, to whom our worship is due. But he gives back to us far more than we offer him, because he gives us himself. You know, uh, the Second Vatican Council emphasized for us that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. That everything we do as a church and everything we do as individual members of the body of Christ draws its life from the Holy Eucharist and brings us back. It is the source of our life and it is the summit, the peak experience. That's why I say the Mass on Sunday should be the peak experience of our week. And I'm just sad to say that, you know, for probably far too many of us, that's not the way we experience it, or that's not the way we think about it. And this is this also requires intentionality, mm-hmm. because we we in our culture today we tend to associate everything with our emotions. Mm-hmm. How do I feel? Right? Does this is this does this make me feel like this is the high point of my week on a on a human emotional level? Well, maybe not. Maybe there are going to be experiences that on, on, on the human emotional level are going to be more thrilling, more exciting for you, more evocative, if you will. But objectively speaking, and on a completely spiritual level, this is the highlight of the week. This is the summit experience of the week, or it should be. Um, and even if we don't always feel it on an emotional level, that doesn't take away from the reality that it is the high point of the week. And it's what sets the tone for the whole week. We should be meditating upon what happens on Sunday all week long. We mm-hmm. should be praying about that, even as we come into and prepare for the next celebration right. on the following weekend. Right. And I've heard it said, Archbishop, to fully participate mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the Mass. How do we fully participate? And certainly there's different age. We've got toddlers. We've <laughs> got parents that are dealing with toddlers. But, you know, in general, as yeah. we come to the Sunday Mass, as we come to any Holy Mass, there's a way in which we're called to participate and worship right. the Lord. Right. And, you know, this was, again, one of the great emphases of the Second Vatican Council. And I know, I, I realize for a younger generation, I mean, for me, at my age, you know, Vatican II is kind of a reference point for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I grew up when I was being formed in the seminary. We were just immersed in the, in the in the Second Vatican Council and the documents of the council. We were reading them and studying them and trying to incorporate them and flesh them. I mean, it was it was it was even though you know I was in the seminary long after the council, still it was the spirit of the council and and the importance of the council was very much formative of me, and. One of the, 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 in the reform of the sacred liturgy at the Second Vatican Council, one of the things that the Council Fathers called for was a reform of the liturgy that would bring about, and to put it this way, full 
conscious and active participation of the people in the Holy Mass. Now, that is one expression that has been so misinterpreted and misunderstood. Full, active, conscious participation for far too many has come to mean, oh, well, when I come to Mass, I've got to always be doing something or saying something. I have to be, it says I have to be active, right? I have to be a full participation. So there was a great emphasis on doing and being in the liturgy. Like, you know, so you're really participating in the liturgy if you're a lector or, you know, if you're a server or if you're, if you're an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion or if you're a music minister uh, or a, a greeter and an usher, you know, okay, that's full active conscious participation in the sacred liturgy. And so there was this emphasis on activity, Mm-hmm. And and uh, always doing or saying something, being active, being physical, being just you know hyped up. That's not what the council fathers meant at all. I know that comes as a surprise maybe to some. Uh, yes, those 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 ways of participating in the sacred right. liturgy are perfectly good and valid and important. But most of the people gathered there in the pew on Sunday aren't doing those things. Mm-hmm. They're there. What the council was really calling for was that we come in mind and in spirit to be fully, actively, consciously participating in the Mass. In other words, if I can put it in a kind of a colloquial way, to really be plugged in Mm -hmm. to what is happening at this Mass, to really have our full mind and heart engaged, uh, that we are actively participating in the Mass, uh, by our, our, our listening carefully to the prayers, to the sacred scriptures being read, to the, to the homily, that we are, are, are participating by making the, the responses that are appropriate to us. You know, there's nothing more, I, I tell you as a celebrant, there's nothing more discouraging, well, nothing more, it's very discouraging when, when you as a celebrant, you stand before the people and you say, the Lord be with you. And, and you get spirit. a smattering of a few voices and mm-hmm. with your spirit, you know, not, not, not that people have to shout, but, and then there's times at masses where I'm almost kind of stunned by how, how strong the people's response is because everybody responds, you know, that's being engaged and not just being, you know, just kind of floating along and bored um, and be engaged in the mind, mm-hmm. in the heart. In other words, know what's going on, be attentive to what's happening, be engaged mentally, spiritually, in heart, mind, body, spirit, soul, in, in what is happening in the liturgy. And the reason why the Council Fathers called for that was because prior to the reforms of the Council, in many places, there was a tendency to be a spectator at the Mass. We went to Mass, and we just were sort of a spectator to what was happening up there on the altar. Sometimes people would even be doing other devotions while the Mass was going on. Uh, saying other prayers, maybe even praying the rosary during Mass or getting up and going lighting candles, you know, during during the celebration of Mass. Now, I don't mean to overly characterize that or overemphasize it or say that that was, you know, uh, the, the widespread practice. But for far too many, people weren't really engaged in, in the action of the Mass and what's going on in the Mass, to be plugged in, as I said, and, and to know what's happening, to know what, what's, what's, what this moment in the Mass means, and to be really engaged in it and paying attention Mm-hmm. Uh, and spiritually. So that's that's really what, what the Council Fathers intended. 
Uh, and unfortunately, it, it, it got into this activism in the mass that there has to be all this activity and all this, this, this uh, constant uh, uh, kind of a hyper, hyperactivity even in, into the liturgy. You know, silence. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that, that more recently the church has really been calling for in the liturgy. More silence. Because sitting in silent prayer at a point during the Mass, maybe after the readings, after Holy Communion, and this, 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 I, this isn't a criticism of musicians, but maybe a little corrective to them, you know, uh, you know, music doesn't have to always be present. Sometimes there's this awkwardness and silence, and so the musicians feel that we've got to do some instrumental things here to cover the silence. No, let the silence be. Because yeah. in the silence, we can be actively, consciously, fully participating. Because we're engaged at the depth of our spirit, our soul. And in silence, we can be actively, consciously participating in the Mass. So it's, it's, it's more about the mind and the heart mm-hmm. uh, than it is about even the voice uh, yeah. or, the, or the gestures that we make. Right. And as you talk about silence, it's in listening. Listen to the prayers. Yeah. Listen to what's happening. And as we continue to listen, to learn more. I, I've often wondered... After the priest prays the opening prayer at the beginning of Mass, let us pray, <laughs> O oh God, et cetera, et cetera, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all sit down to be, begin the liturgy of the word. I wonder how many people in that church, in that moment, could tell you what we just prayed mm-hmm. in the opening prayer. Yeah. Were we really listening to what the priest was praying on our behalf? Yeah. So that's the kind of engagement that we'd love to see in, in the liturgy, the source yeah. and summit of our life. Absolutely. Start your week with the Sunday Mass. That is the goal. And let's continue to pray for our catechumens, the elect, as they prepare for those sacraments. I know the Easter vigils all around the world, but particularly here in the Archdiocese of Portland will be blessed. Would you help us close with your blessing? Indeed. And through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the patroness of Archdiocese, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of The Voice of the Shepherd. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.